You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fair Game Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith. we got a great show for you today. Today's guest is the fair manager for the Richland County Fair in Montana and pulls double duty as the president of the Rocky Mountain Association of Fairs. She joins us today from Sydney, Montana. For those of you who don't know Montana, I'm told that's over on the eastern side, close to North Dakota. We'll talk about that and more with Ms. Jamie Larson. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. So for my nine listeners, uh, can you give them a little background on how you ended up being there at the Richland County Fair? Sure. So um, it's in city Montana, like you had indicated. I actually went to school here. I graduated high school in 1999 um, from Sydney High School. I then ventured off um, a little bit, went four hours to Billings. Um, I went to school for a couple of years, got my associate's degree um, in Billings at the tech school. And then I went into insurance. Um, I was an insurance customer service rep agent uh, for about five years. I think I lived in Billings. It was roughly seven years. Um, and in 2006, the opportunity of the fair management position came available. Don't ask me how fair management and insurance are related, very different in many ways. However, um, I thought, hey, this is great. I want to move back to my home, small hometown. Um, I had a daughter at that time. She was three. Um, so her and I packed up from Billings, moved back to Sydney in 2006. Um, I became the fair manager at that time. And I, well, I'll be 40 next month. So I was 25. Welcome to the club. Yeah, crazy, (laughs) right? So um, so I've been doing this for 15 years. I always tell people I I gauge my years and fairs. So of course I'm gonna count 2020, even if it didn't happen. So this year will be my 16th fair. Um, in Richland County. So yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, that's a yeah. great story. So you're a small town girl. I mean, you were send, telling me before we started recording, you're only about five to 6,000 people there in Sydney and Correct. county is what, about 10 or 12,000 people. Yep. County is about, yeah, between 11 and 12,000. So it is small. Um, you know, I always tell people new vendors and people that are coming to our fair, we might be in a small town, but we're a big fair. Um, we bring in over four days, uh, just over 30,000 people. Where do you, where do you draw from if, if the county's only 10 or 12,000? Everybody, yeah. you don't have 100% attendance coming out yeah, three or no. four times. The um, you know, we, we draw a lot from North Dakota and then of course, um, across into Western Montana, you know, in, in the past, we've also drawn from Canada as well. You know, 2021 might uh, pose a problem with Canadians getting across, but you know we draw even from Wyoming, and we get vendors from all over. Um, so cool. from a wide area. Well, I was telling you before the show that's one area of the country I've yet to get to. Within the you know the Dakotas and Wyoming and and Montana, it's definitely on the list. My my best friend in the world from college um, grew up in Bozeman. I think it was Bozeman. Um, I'm like 99% sure here I am saying for a best friend. And I'm like, I'm, I always mix up Billings and Bozeman. Yeah. He's going to look at me and be like, Robert, what's your problem? <laughs> so I'm curious though, um, for Montana, you know, we were talking before the show. One of the things that I, until I met Kevin in college, I, I always thought Montana was flat, was one of these big flat states. And it's not, it's got all sorts of different right. environments. What's something else that people don't typically know about Montana? Oh boy. 
you know, I've lived here all my life. So I don't even, um, geez, you know, um, a lot of people don't realize how much open space there really is here either. You know, you can walk out and it's just all wide open. You know, of course, on the Western side, it's very mountainous. Um, but, you know, the big sky state, literally, that's what it is. So you can see from east to west, horizon to horizon with nothing in the way. It's one well, of you got your mountains, but there's not a lot of trees in it. And around here, it's really flat. You know, we don't have a lot of that. Yeah. It's a, it seems like a really cool place to visit, um, you know, I, not only just to be able to get up in those, the Northern Rockies up in that area, but just to be able to, you know, travel and see the whole state seems like a terrific place. Now you mentioned you draw from Canada. How close are you to the Northern border? Cause I know um, you're close to North Dakota, but. Yeah, we are, oh, we're about an hour and a half from Plentywood and they're so a couple hours two 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 and a half okay. hours Canadian border as well. So and people yeah. will come across the border to come to your sure. fair. Absolutely. Now, what's that process like? Because whenever I've, I've crossed a border, it's always been either from a cruise ship or an airplane and you got to deal with customs and all that jazz. Yeah. How easy is it to go in an obviously, let me preface this in a non-COVID environment. Yeah. Let's How easy see. is it to go across the border if you got your passport? You just flash it and off you go? Yeah, actually, it's not that difficult. You know, we went across, I've been across a few times, um, a couple of times for RMAF meetings, Rocky Mountain Association of Fair meetings, we would go to Medicine Hat and I've actually been there twice. And yeah, it's, it's fairly easy to get across. You know, you stop at customs, you show them your, your passport now. And before I, I think it was just your driver's license, but of course that's changed a little bit, but yeah. I think it's a simple process. So hmm. yeah, so it's not too difficult. Awesome. So if I ever make it up that way, I'll probably have to just be like, I'm going to go to Canada so I can just, yeah, you like, might as well. Cause you're I so went close. to Canada. I went to yeah. Canada, right? Yeah, you definitely will have to because you're close enough. So tell us a bit about your fair when it runs. You said the attendance goes uh, goes fairly high over your four days, yeah. you know, 30 or 40,000. When do you, when's your fair run? So our fair is the beginning of August. Um, it's always that first weekend in August and how we've always done it is the the first weekend has to be a Friday. The Friday has to be in August. Um, so like last year, it was going to be later because it would have been the fifth through the eighth. Um, but yes, it's always that very first weekend. So the Friday and first Friday and Saturday in August. Got it. So if a new family was to call you up and say, Hey, Jamie, we're going to come out to the fair. We just moved to the Sydney area. What are the must do experiences in those, those, uh, four days at your fair? You know, um, we're really known for our amazing food, our food vendors. Um, we've got almost 20. I think we have 19 food vendors on our grounds. Um, so the food is a definite must. Uh, we have rodeos for two nights. Um, our Thursday and Friday night rodeos are huge. You know, Friday's the biggest night for rodeo. We do a Tough Enough to Wear Pink event um, on Friday and give back to our local cancer coalition. Um, Saturday night of our fair, of course, we have big name entertainment. This year, we were lucky enough, you know, in 2020, obviously, we ended up canceling, but we got those same entertainers that we had booked. So we have Brett, uh, Brett Young and the Bellamy Brothers coming on Saturday night. Yeah, that's pretty impressive for a small yes. fair. You don't yes. normally see a town of five or 6,000 able to support an artist like that. That's impressive. Right. Yeah. When I started in 2006, um, you know, we brought in, there were smaller names in around mm, 2008, I would say 2009, our commissioners at that time said, Hey, 
let's let's bump this up a little bit. And I'm like, oh, like how much? You know, what are we talking here? And and so at that time I was able to bump it. And thankfully I have, you know, I have a five-person board. They're all volunteer. Um, and you know, of course, our county commissioners, because we're county funded, we're a, we're a county supported event, and so I have three county commissioners that are very supportive of the fair, and so um, they look at it too as a way to give back to the community as well. You know, of course, we sell tickets and you make some revenue on that, but yeah, for a small fair to be able to bring in some of these big names, and we've we've had Dirk Bentley, um, we've had Leanne Rhymes, we've had um, Montgomery Gentry, yeah. So we've brought some pretty big names to a small town. That's fantastic. Um, I'm curious, though, you know, you you didn't get into this industry with, you know, with the intent of of it being your career. You mentioned insurance earlier and then kind of happened upon the fair. What's something you know now as a fair manager that would have been really helpful to know when you got into the industry? Um, you know, I feel like every year I learn something and I have, you know, with my board, they they do a great job. Um, the, I think one of the biggest challenges that I've ever had as a fair manager, uh, well, one dealing with COVID, but beyond, we'll get to that later, uh, beyond COVID um, was when you have to cancel uh, an entertainer, you know, not, they can't get on the stage uh, because of weather related issues, how to react to that. It was a huge struggle for me. It happened in 2013 and it was actually with Montgomery Gentry. Um, we had an opening act. It was Gloriana. And I remember the year I, rem you know, you just remember all these things because it was so horrific, but um, just to be prepared for something like that. And I don't even know if you ever could, but it was awful. Um, you know, the weather turned on us. Gloriana was on, they were able to finish their show, but Montgomery Gentry was not able to get on. And it was the worst experience. I cried um, for weeks it was just rough, you know, for those people that didn't get to see the show and for all the work that was put in, you know, by our staff during th that entire day setting up. And then you have to go back and tear down after nothing, you know, essentially. Right. But so it was a tough one. It was tough. I'd never want to go through that again. Well, and that kind of happened last year, but without the teardown part, you know, that that heartbreak right. of having to make a decision you know, looking back at 2020, you all had to make that decision like so many other fairs. Take us through that process of having to come to the conclusion that cancellation was the best move. You know, this whole thing kind of started for me when my daughter and I, she's now a senior in high school, but we, we ventured across and went to Washington um, to visit a college uh, to Washington State. So, you know, we're traveling and, and um, she says to me, do you know, you know, starts talking about coronavirus in China. And I'm like, just stop. Like, we're in Montana, we're in the United States, yada, yada, yada. She's like, mom, it's coming. I'm telling you, I'm like, you know, no, it's not. Like, stop being the optimist she is, huh? Yeah. Like, she's <laughs> like, this is the deal. And so we get to Seattle and we're in the airport and we see people, you know, um, they're already wearing masks, some of these people. She's like, telling you, mom, it's coming. Sure enough, um, you know, our school was on spring break and it was at, uh, they made it through spring break and, and she had a teacher that told her, you guys better have everything out of your lockers because I don't think you're coming back. And she comes home and tells me this and I'm like, what? This is crazy. They never went back. Wow. Didn't back um, you know, school usually gets out at the end of May. We were at home essentially. 
um, I ended up being deemed non-essential in the state. You know, the, the governor had put through some some mandates with non-essential. I was at home for a couple of weeks um, just because, you know, the fair at that point, everything was canceling. You know, we weren't having events in our event center, nothing. So myself, um, I have another full-time grounds manager and then a part-time office um, ground staff. Uh, we were all at home for a couple of weeks and I'm like, mm -mm, I can't, mm -mm. my, you know, my kid was old enough. She's in high school. She can figure this out herself, but I'll tell you what, those parents who had to, you know, were at home teaching their kids online and all that. Whoa. I, nope. I know. I mean, I, after two weeks, I'm like, I got to go to the office. Like, I'm just going to shut myself in. No one has to come. You know, we're not that busy. We're obviously our events are canceling, but like, there's still stuff to do. It was already April. I'm like, we got to go. We have to, we have to mow the grass. We have to get the sprinklers, you know, all these things. Um, but anyway, so we got through that and into May, we were supposed to start ticket sales. Well, I just, the other um, office staff, we were just like, no, like, let's just hold out. Well, you know what happens then people start to really question you. What are you doing? Are you going to have a fair? What's happening? You know, so we finally put a statement out at the beginning of June with the help of our county commissioners and our county attorney and uh, put the statement out saying, yes, we're pushing forward. In fact, to add to all of this, it was our hundredth celebration. Right. So 2020 would have been our hundredth. And so I'm like, no, like we're going to push through. And then, you know, on the, our fair board, the fair board had the same idea. Like we're going to push through, we're going to make this work, you know, all this good stuff. Like most of us did. And finally, you know, we're getting to the middle of June and I'm like, I don't know if we can do this. You know, I'm starting to get like, we either got to, we got to figure this out or we got to pull the plug because you can't put on a fair um, and plan for a fair on, you know, there's a lot of people that think you can do this in two weeks time. It's not possible. Right. So, you know, I finally went to the fair board and said, I just don't know if we can do this. I just don't. And then um, are, we have a cleaning crew that comes in and cleans for us during the fair. And they came back and said, we aren't going to be able to do it. And, and I don't blame them one bit. I totally get it at that time. COVID was so new. We didn't even know what to do. Um, and so that was kind of one of the deciding factors. And, and of course, we took our recommendation to the three county commissioners and, and they, you know, they made the final decision based off of our recommendation. And Sydney was split, you know, we're very rural and we're in Montana. And, um, you know, there was those that were just like, you can make this work and you can figure this out. And, you know, we dealt heavily and still do with our health department. Um, we have a good connection with them. You know, I'm constantly bouncing things off of them, especially when this last summer when COVID was really rampant, like, what can we do? What can we not do? Um, so working with them as well. And so the beginning of July, the very end of June, I guess we put out a statement that uh, we weren't going to be able to do it. So, yeah. What's the, uh, what's the feeling like for you and those volunteer board members when the decision and the commission, when decisions made and it's done all the hard work that you're doing to plan it. And it's now over. It's now How are over. you feeling? Um, you know, I, I honestly thought at the beginning of all of it, we'll figure this out. We can make this work. I know we can. And then things just start falling apart. You know, it's like, I, I, then you have to think about the health and safety of your community as a whole. And school starts ex almost exactly two weeks after our fair. And I'm like, what if? And I'm always the what if person. I'm always saying to my board, well, what if this and what if that? Um, and in this case, I just was like, I don't think we can, 
do this and do it properly and safely and then have our what happens if school doesn't and I had a, I have a senior in high school I'm like I want her to go to school yes go to school and so I was a little bit selfish about it but in the end I I still feel like we made the right decision as hard as it was um, there were a lot of tears um but we pushed through and and I think I still believe we made the right decision well here we are now in 2021. I think you definitely made the right decision for <laughs> 2020. Uh, but we're now, you know, this is getting recorded March 3rd. We're one year into 15 days to flatten the curve. Uh, we got some states starting to open. We've got good movement going in Florida. It looks like Texas. Um, at least some of the mid and small size fairs will roll in Texas. California, of course, still locked up. We've got everybody's just doing their own thing. How do you move into 2021 now knowing that that decision is once again coming up fairly quickly for you guys I'm guessing you're probably what about 90 days out from having to make a call on that you what's know, it look I like think... for what's it look like for this year are we going to have a fair yes um and I say that Montana's moving you know like a lot of these other states um our governor has now lifted our mask mandate um, you know, has gotten rid of capacity sizes, you know, so there's no, there's not necessarily a limit on capacities. And so I feel like we are pushing forward. Um, I just hope that it, you know, we don't get to May or June and there's a huge outbreak and then we're back to square one, you know, but if, if we had to sit and base our entire life off of that, I don't think I would get any sleep. You know, if I worried, I worried enough last year and finally when we, you know, and it was kind of a, it was like a weight was lifted, but still a heartbreaking thing at the same time. Yep. But you know, I feel like we'll push through this year and, and make the best of what we have. I agree. And I think a lot of the states are going to get that in. I don't, I, we'll see what happens with California. They're one of the big ones that we're watching that did, they're just being crippled. Um, but I think the the important thing for your decision last year is that a decision was made. Everyone I've spoken with on the show, either on air or off the air, has alluded to the fact that that unknown is what is just so damaging. And not only for us in the industry, but I mean, you think about it for the kids. You know, last year, we were, our kids were, you know, my wife's an assistant principal and our son, he's, uh, he's a fourth, well, he was third grade, then he's fourth grade now. Um, I want to say it was like a week before spring break when they pulled the plug. They said, so we're going to pull the plug. Stay home, take your three, take a three week spring break um, or two <laughs> weeks spring, whatever it was, and then and give us some time to kind of figure out where we're going. And then it was this well, we're going to kind of extend spring break. And then it's well, if you're in a high needs family and you need to get a hold of a Chromebook, here you, you can come check one out and we can mm -hmm. do, we're going to do some online learning. And it was this very back and forth and back and forth. And what I told, I remember Sarah was just beside herself because she's like, are we coming back? Are we not? What are we doing? And I said, here's what needs to happen. The board needs to give a right now today, call an emergency meeting, thumbs up or thumbs down, because at least then the teachers have an answer. And now we're dealing with the same thing because we had this very back at the end of November, coming in December, our governor had created this very complex um, gating criteria, county by county, different colors for each county. Before you could open schools, you had to be in green for two weeks or it, all this. And then, you know, we get a new president and she's like, oh, you can open schools February 8th. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Something, yeah. Even, yep. Listen, 
listen, I've got friends on both sides of the aisle, and even some of my Democrat friends here in New Mexico <laughs> were like, that's a little suspicious that out of nowhere. going on. Like, go ahead and open the schools. And of course, our school district, you know, in uh, uh, Albuquerque Public Schools here in Bernalillo County is the largest in the state. Uh, there's, they need 30 days just to hire their bus drivers back. You mm-hmm. can't just snap your fingers and restart the, the train, you know? <laughs> and so they're, now the board's going back and forth with it. They spent weeks going, are we going to, what are we going to do? Are we going to reopen February 8th? And they said, well, let's, let's do the vote. Let's table this and we'll vote again in two weeks. We'll figure it out in two weeks. Well, the two weeks comes up and they made a motion. One of the board members makes a motion to reopen in a hybrid model, effective like March 1st. And somebody seconds the motion and then they discuss the motion and the person who made the motion and the person who seconded it voted against it. It made no sense. So it's like, I told Sarah, I said, here we are again. People just need to know, like, are we in or are we out? And I think making decisions, even if it's not a popular one, make Mm -hmm. the decision and go. Do you feel like that was a a big stress for you with last year uh, going, are we, aren't we? And then you made the decision and things got better. Yes. Yes. You know, like I said, we, we sat here in May and we're like, okay, should, do we go on sale? Do we not go on sale? Do we hold off? You know, and then it then it goes to the entertainers as well. Are they going to come? Are they not going to come? Are they going to come and bring their whole band? Are they going to come and want to do some acoustic and still get paid the same amount of money? Right. Sure. We went through all of that in May and we just kept pushing off, pushing off, you know, and then June came and it was like, Hey, we're going to release the statement. And then finally I was just like, we can't, we got to figure this out and we got to do it now. Like people, like you said, people have to know they want to, we needed to know, we needed to know the commissioners needed to know. And, um, you know, for the most part, the community was supportive. They understood you're always, always going to have those people who are naysayers who are going to, you know, be the negative Nellies, no matter what it is anyways. So, um, but in the end, I look back and think as difficult of a decision as it was, I think for our community and our fair, we made the right one. Sure. Well, and, and it's not only you have all those questions, but there, there's a business side to this as well. Like you got to run right. it like a business. And there's a point. Every, every fair has got a date on their calendar that the deposits have to start going. Thing, mm-hmm. Money's got to start flowing out. Yep. And you know, if you, for several fairs that I spoke with, that was what made their decision because mm-hmm. they were looking at, do we have enough information to commit and go past that, that hard deadline date? And the ones that didn't said, we're going to fold and walk away. Cause it's not, you know, we, one of my cancellations was, was from the greater Jacksonville fair down in Florida last November. And when Bill called in September, he said, you know, we can have the fair, but we're modeling at 50 to 60% attendance. Mm-hmm at best. And he said, we're going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. And a lot of fairs are in that spot where they just said, it doesn't make any sense. Mm -mm. Especially if like you, if you do have public funding, you have to be good stewards of the public dollar. And it is is irresponsible to say, we're going to do this. Oh, we lost Mm $600,000 doing it, but we had a fair. That's not going to, that's not going to go well. Yeah. And that is one of the things that, you know, the commissioners had me look into. So if we have to scale all this back and we can only have so many people and so much capacity and how do we figure out the beer garden, you know, cause beer brings in revenue, you know, yep. you can't 
that's going to be a loss there. And, um, you know, you've got in, in part of the food vendors were like, yeah, we want to do this push through. It's a fundraiser. The other ones were like, Hey, a lot of our members that are doing this are older and we're not going to be having any volunteers to do it. So we're not going to be able to. So it was that too, but yeah, I went through and figured out, you know, if we had to scale back and we had to do this, that, and the other. And, and again, that was another decision for the commissioners as well as, you know, the money that would have been financially, wasn't wasn't going to be the best decision to continue on either for us. Sure. So obviously your intent is to have the fair this year. It looks like we finally got the numbers going the right direction. Yes. You know, we've got vaccine distribution is, um, you know, right there at the end of, of um, you know, between like November and December, you know, the Trump administration got it up to, I think, 1.3 million a day. Mm-hmm. I think Biden administration's now pushed it to like 1.6 or 1.7, which is fantastic. The more we roll out, the better. Yeah. Um, you want to have the fair, your intent is to have the fair, but what is that? You know, there's always that what if. Mm-hmm. So the question then is, what's that hard deadline for you that you have to have a go, no go? I think ours would be the same as last year. You know, we would need to decide uh, middle to the end of June if we okay. were really going to push forward and do it. Um, okay. So it, I think the time frame for that would be very similar to last year. So assuming you have the fair, what kind of, you know, you're planning it now, what kind of mitigation strategies are you looking at for opening your event? Well, you know, and I, and I say this all the time to the fair board and the fair staff that it's going to be different. You know, we, as we were preparing last year, we had a local company that donated a ton, which is awesome of like, you know, hand sanitizer. We had the foaming, we had all of it. I mean, it was great. We, you know, of course it's now in storage and we can use it uh, for this year. So that some of that's going to be a little different. I think we're going to have to pick up the same cleaning staff that was, you know, scheduled to do it last year has committed to this year, now that we know more about COVID and what we can expect and that kind of thing. So I think they're going to end up bringing in more staff for themselves as well, um, to make sure everything, I just think the cleaning in general, um, as far as the social distancing and the groupings and the sizes, I'm not sure we're at at this point with that, you know, Montana, um, is, is pretty open at this point. Yes, they still encourage your social distancing and, you know, they still encourage the masks. It's of course not a mandate at this point, but, um, as far as some of that goes, I don't know, we're going to wait and see where, where we're at as far as, um, how many tickets we can sell. So hopefully when we start in May, well, we'll have to know by then, you know, are we going to, are we going to do all of them reserved? So they're all have to sit and there's not a mosh pit at, you know, cause we have reserved and we have standing, a generation. So are we going to have to make them all reserved or how are we going to do that exactly? And it, I think it's too early for us to, to determine that at this point, sure. we can only hope we can be wide open and, and do what we've done in the past. Again, I still think it's always going to be different. Now the cleaning's going to be different. People are going to, you know, maybe not forever, but for a few years here are all, you know, they're going to be cautious regardless. And, and then you go back to be responsible for yourself. Um, you know, if you don't feel well, don't go, you know, I what just a magical concept that it. is, I know. And we <laughs> just lost all of that in 2020. I'm like, where did yep. that go? Um, but I feel like now that that's been instilled back into us, hopefully in 2021, people will remember that concept. Like you need to be responsible for yourselves. Yep. Absolutely. Um, looking at at messaging. I think that's really important. You know, we spoke with John Sykes from the East Texas State Fair, and he had mentioned last year that somewhere in, I forget, April or May, as things started to get going, some local reporter asked him, so are you canceling the fair? And they said, no, we're not canceling the fair. We're, you know, 
Because, of course, at that point, it's like the end of April. They're late September, the beginning of October. Nobody's thinking it's going to – they're thinking by July this is going to be gone. And then they got railed on their Facebook. You are inconsiderate. You're going to kill grandma and grandpa. They just got blasted. And they weren't trying to be like you know indignant or anything. They were just trying to give people some hope that, hey, we're going to get through this. We're yes. going to have a fair. Life's going to be normal again. It makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but their public didn't respond to it. So then the question to you is, how do you message either through Facebook or commercial app, whatever you're doing, how do you message to your public that we're moving forward and we're here's how we're planning a safe event and you can come and you can be safe uh, at our event. You know, like last year at the beginning of June, when we put out our message on this is what we're, you know, we're still going to continue to push forward. Our community was very supportive. Um, again, we've, we've started really rolling out vaccines, even in small town USA, they're here, they're pushing through. Um, I think the biggest thing again is, is be responsible for yourself, you know, but I, I think we have to put it out there too, that we're amping up our cleaning. We will have hand sanitizer, you know, those kinds of things. Um, you know, where it came, it came a little, came a little hairy too, with when we were talking to the health department about, we have a building that has vendors in it. Well, how do you, you know, you've got aisles. So how, do we make these aisles wider? Do we, you know, that was an issue when we were trying to figure out COVID too. And um, again, we're, I hate to keep saying that we're small town in Montana, but we really are. And so, so for us, I feel like people get it and they know, and if they're responsible and if you don't want to come, just don't come, you know, but I also side people everywhere, not just in Montana and in small towns want something to do where, you know, we've been cooped up. We've been told for so long, you need to stay six feet away, blah, blah, blah. There we're ready we're ready to have these events and have fun and do these things. You know, our facility um, has really started being utilized more and more now that things are opening up. Um, You know, there's still process you have to go through with the health department here. You know, there's a form that needs to be filled out to have an event, which is fine. You know, how are you going to, how are you going to set your tables and chairs and in those kinds of things up, but events can happen here and they are happening. And so that's just one step. Um, forward that we're taking, getting closer to having these bigger, larger events like the fair. So what size events um, are are you guys able to have and what types of events are you having on the grounds right now? Um, Right now we are having, you know, we've, we have AAU wrestling practice every night in one of our facilities, um, which has been a very difficult thing, even across the state of Montana, because a lot of the schools are not allowing outside Um, you know, AAU is not a school sanctioned sport. So a lot of these schools I think aren't allowing those things. So we're able to do that um, with kids. We have, um, we've had a couple of banquets, a couple of auctions, you know, and in reality, um, even last fall, we had a few weddings, you know, with, with the help of the health department and, and their guidance, we figured out how we can make these events as safe as possible. So you had weddings. Yeah. And what is the minister saying? You may now kiss the bride, but wear your mask and stay six feet away. But wear your mask. I know. (laughs) And, um, you know, that was what I was like, well, well, the mask thing. And they're like, well, if you're at the table and you're eating and drinking and, you know, you don't have to wear a mask. But it it was very interesting. It got interesting. Have we had a lot of events cancel? Oh, yeah. I mean, through all last summer and, you know, partly into the fall, we've had a few that have even canceled, you know, this spring just because they're not comfortable doing it. And that's fine. Um, 
had a couple of weddings that were uh, scheduled this summer that have said, oh, I just, we just don't know, you know, totally get it. I understand, um, you know, with all this unknown. But I, you guys are generating some non-fair revenue. So you're able to, we are. financially, you yeah. guys are do, probably doing better than a lot of other fairs that have, yes. have been lights out for, yes. you know, since March yes. of last year. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I frequently talk to the Billings, uh, Montana Metro Park manager, him and I are good friends and, you know, they, it sounds like they've started opening up some of their venues as well. They're having some sporting events and monster trucks and things like that. You know, they, they depend a lot on revenue as well. So, so they've been, you know, starting to do things across the state of Montana. Let's talk for a second about the Rocky Mountain Association Affairs. It's one association I've not managed to get to yet. Um, I kind of blew the opportunity, quite honestly. I'll take the blame on this one. Several years ago, you all were down in Colorado Springs because mm-hmm. you move cities every year. You're in a different Correct. location. And some of the times, you know, coming out of Albuquerque, you just been at a location. I, I can't get to it in yeah. time coming out of the Arizona fairs or wherever my schedule is. But y'all were in Colorado Springs, which is no more than about, I think it's four and a half or five hours north of us. I could have made it and I didn't. Yeah. And I kind of regret that. Um, talk about the association for a minute. What states do you typically cover? And uh, what's going on with your convention? You know, last year, of course, uh, we did not have our convention and, um, and that was to be in Colorado Springs as well. Um, so in 2020, we were supposed to be there again. In fairness, I would have been in Jacksonville, so that would not have even been So possible. it wouldn't have worked anyway, so not <laughs> your fault. Um, you know, we encompass, so we have Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, um, Washington, Oregon, Canada. Hopefully I'm not missing any state. But any in New Mexico fairs in there? Because we're at the lower end of the Rockies, no? I don't think we have any, but I could be. Dan Morning, if you're listening, get on board with Rocky Mountain Association yes. Affairs. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Um, and, and of course, we, in, we encompass Canada as well. But um, so yeah, last year, and of course at that time I was the vice president, but I'll tell you, Nancy Pitts, who was the executive director, and Michael Mesmer, um, he was the president at that time, did a phenomenal job mitigating through all of that. I mean, we we met a few times as the board through Zoom, and it's like, what are we going to do? What are our options? Can we go back to the hotel? And, and the hotel was really good to work with as well. But, you know, our capacity, we were only going to be able to allow so many so many uh, people, you know, service members, fairs, all of that um, in certain areas of the hotel. And so financially, it was going to be tough. And so um, in the end, we also decided to cancel. I, I'm sure most conventions were canceled last year, but um, the ones that I'm aware of. Um, so we ended up canceling, I think we, it was October-ish um, that we said, well, it's just not going to work. But sure. This year, we're pushing forward. Uh, we'll actually be in Billings, Montana. So it's yay. It's only four hours for me. I don't have to travel so far. And being the president, it kind of works out pretty well. Um, so yeah, we're in Billings. Um, we'll be at a, a hotel that has been remodeled there. And um, so we're, we're, we're planning. You know, it's in November. We can only hope that things get better through the entire summer and that we can push through and have our convention. So Talk for a second, if you will, about the trade show, because I've always heard that your trade show does not look like everybody else's trade show. It's not a big ballroom with pipe and drape 
Mm-mm. It looks a little bit different for those folks yeah. outside of the Rocky Mountain Association. Tell them what that looks like. Um, so yes, it no, it is not a trade show style at all. You actually, uh, the entertainers actually work out of their hotel rooms. That doesn't, it, it makes, seems, it seems a little that. bit awkward. It, yeah, it seems um, a little risque, but no, it's great. You know, you can, you, they're obviously lined up there in their service member hallways. Um, you know, you go to their rooms, you sit in their chairs on their bed, whatever it is that they have, and you talk business and it actually works great. You're able to get that one-on-one time. Um, you can sit down and have a close conversation about what it is that they are. And I feel like it's not um, such a push and a rush through like a trade show would be. You can take your time, you know, they have snacks and they have all their, you can watch their video, you know, all of these things um, in the comfort of a, in a room and, and you bring all your people in there and, you know, they'll have little jam sessions. And so they'll actually do their musical acts and those kinds of things in their hotel room. I know. It's an interesting- very different to me. I could yes. see like, I could see if that was me, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get this hotel room at the host hotel for the trade show, but I'm going to stay in the hotel yes. down the road so that <laughs> I don't have all my stuff. Like I don't need people coming in and being like, Oh, what's in his toiletry bag? <laughs> you know I know. I, mean? I know. And, and I think there are some that do that, you know, they'll have their own room and then they'll have the room that they work out of, but it works for us. You know, I know in the past, I can't remember even how long I've been on the board now, five or six years, but you know, it's been like, Oh, did we change to a trade show? I'm like, no, you know, and all of us of course agree that this is what makes it unique. You know, we're able to have that one-on-one time and really know what it is that that service member is showing and that they're selling and that we're purchasing. Right. It's very interesting how you guys have it set up. I've always, you know, people have always told me about it saying I've got some people that are like, it's the weirdest thing I've ever done, but it works. (laughs) And I've got other people that are like, I love it because then once they're in the room with me and they're talking, they're not distracted by 40 other booths and people moving everywhere, you know, some people say I might get a group of five or six fair managers. And, and I've even had people tell me that they can work routes really well because they get the yes. right three or four fair managers there. They're like, well, you know, I'm the third week of July. I'm the fourth week of July. I'm the first two mm-hmm. weekends in August. And all of a sudden through the Rocky mountain territory, they've got 35 days booked, you know, four or five fairs book. Boom. Just like that. I'm going, yes. that might be something yes. that's worth it because the one the one downfall I've got with IFE, and I've, I've chatted with Steve Siever about this, that's a real challenge, is routing, because you do have mm-hmm. everybody. The number of times that I've had affairs out of, you know, I don't know, Michigan, that are like, well, we're three, we're the first um, three days in June, you know, first, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in June. And I'm like, you're 19 hours away from me. Mm-hmm. You're th- and it, it, they're really wonderful people. I want to go do a fair but it's the jump is not realistic, but if we could coordinate and they could say, well, we'll get you with this fair in, you know, I don't know, Indiana, and then they're going to get you with the fair in Oklahoma and you're going to, that makes a lot of sense, but it's really difficult at that convention because it's so large, but I understand at your convention because it is a tighter region that works a little bit better. It does. Yes. And, you know, even if you're new to the association, I mean, when I started in 2006, I was probably one of the youngest fair managers there um, at this convention. It was in Rapid City, South Dakota. I remember it. Yeah, I, it was definitely something I had never experienced before, obviously. And so I'll never forget it. But it, it you just meet so many people that way. And mm. 
you know these fair managers or these fair board members and where they're at and you know how close are they to you can you route them and so a lot of times you'll leave that room and you'll go find them and you'll be like okay so I know I think your fair is this weekend and we're this weekend what do you think about trying to put this together as a route it's a close niche very very much so well I may have to one of these years if I've got that time open I may just have to make the you know Make yeah. the jump and go try it out and see what happens. Yep. Just um, see what I, happens. I know when you crack a new a new egg like that, it can take a couple of years before you really get to know people and build those relationships. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. somewhere. Exactly. Speaking of new things and changes, um, do you attend IEFE? Do you do that convention? No, typically we just go to the Rocky Mountain. Just Rocky Mountain. Yep. Um, well, I know they just announced on March 1st, they're going to Indianapolis. Do you think that the fact that they're up a little bit closer for 2022, they'll be in Indianapolis. You think getting them, getting a little closer to you guys would open you up to going to that convention? You know, maybe, I guess I hadn't even heard that. Um, they just sent the, Steve Seaver just sent the email out on Monday. Okay. That's interesting. Possibly. I mean, there's always a possibility, especially like you said, if it's closer to us. Yeah. Yeah, it's I I'm down with it. I like convention. I like the fact that you guys change every year, although you don't have the trade show format. The one thing I've said over right. and over again for a long time is that when we were in Las Vegas for so many years, fair managers start to and entertainment buyers get blinders on because the, yeah. the floor is the same everywhere. They go with A, B, C and D and they're out and they've done what they yep. need to do. But in San Antonio, things changed. And now IFE starting in 22 is going to change every year, at least through 25 Oh, you wow. guys. So I'm, I'm down with that. I'm excited yeah. for some changes and seeing some new places. Rocky Mountain obviously doesn't have that issue because you guys have been changing. You do different mm -hmm. cities all throughout the region. What um, what's the rationale behind that? You know, I think, well, I know, but we're split into um, districts. And okay. so always, I think there's four, four districts. And so um, we try to go to the convention in that district. So like this year, it's the Northeast district, which is the district that I belong to. So Got it's, it. and you know, then you have your Southeast and your Southwest and your Northwest. So that's their rationale behind it is they try to do it in a different um, place within different districts every year. Well, and you do have a fairly, of all the regionals, I think you guys are the largest uh, yeah. region. I think For you guys sure. are bigger than, um, you cover more states and more ground than even Western Fairs does. Yeah. So that makes sense that you move it because at some point, you know, your folks down in Colorado are going to be like, we've had to go to Idaho, mm -hmm. I don't know, every year for 70, you know, the fact that they've got, you know, every four or five years, they've got one that's closer to them and it rotates that probably makes more sense for the overall organization. Yeah. And I think there's, that's the reason behind it as well is, you know, you need to move around to accommodate everybody. So it's fair for everybody. Well, I will have to take a look at it because that's, you know, even if, uh, even if we don't get bookings that first year out, just to go meet new people and, and start building out new contacts. Exactly. I always say, you never know. I've got, you know, I talk to entertainers at like the IFE trade show at the end of the show or, or in the evenings or, you know, we talk with them and, and throughout the year. And it never ceases to amaze me. The people that'll complain and be like, man, I had a 25 minute conversation with folks from, you know, I don't know the Kansas state fair and they didn't book me. And I'm like, but you had a 25 minute conversation right. with them. You built a foundation. Yes. They they're going to remember you. Yeah. You might, it might be three years. They might, mm -hmm. you know, we had Ashley Brown on from Georgia national fair. And he said, you know, most of the time when I'm at a trade show, I'm looking for two to three years ahead because yes. I'm almost always booked for that year already. Yes. And there might be something where I go, that's not going to fit at our fair this year. 
but maybe in four years. And my attitude is always build the relationships with everybody because you never know who's, you know, a marketing manager now or an agricultural Mm -hmm. assistant manager who in three years is doing the entertainment or is the fair manager someplace else and then just calls, you know, and I've had that happen to me before. I've had it where I've had a great relationship with, with someone who's a fair manager that says, I don't make the decisions that the the board does the entertainment decisions, not me. And then they move to a new fair and they go, Hey, Robert, I'm calling the shots now. You have the first weekend of August open and that's it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We do that too. You know, I learned early on that, you know, you're going to want to book two, three years out. So when you go to convention in 2020, you will have already had, you should have 2021 done. I mean, that's, that's kind of thinking so you're looking for 22 and 23 yeah. if not done com- completely at least narrow down where you go okay yes. one of these three acts is going to fill that 60 by 40 spot and it's going to depend on their routing and pricing but it's yes. and you already know ahead of time yep. yeah i exactly. agree and and the long the long tail gain if you're going to be in this industry as an entertainer um you know for more than just being a flash in the pan but you're going to make it a career the long-term benefit of building these great relationships with these people is you know yes. it, it pays dividends it really does Listen, we're, we're getting towards being about out of time here. I'm really glad I could get you on the show today. It's been a pleasure to get to meet you and get to visit with you and know a little bit about your fair. Before we go, everyone who comes on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to okay. ask you six quick questions. You give me your best answer for each. Are you ready? Yes, I think. I love it. I love the voice back. Yes. <laughs> yes. Corn dogs or turkey legs? Oh, boy. Uh, turkey leg. iPhone or Android? Ooh, iPhone. A movie's made about your life. Which actress plays you? Oh my. That's a good one right there. That is a tough one. I don't even know how to answer that. Oh, um, I would love to say Julia. I'm just going to say Julia Roberts just because love her. Go for it. Go for it. Yes. I would say Katie Holmes also. You've kind of got the the, the hair. You've kind of got a Katie Holmes kind of vibe. That, yeah, could, that could work. That's a good one too. That could work. All right, Julie Roberts or Katie Holmes. We're going to make a movie about Jamie's life. Talk to your agent. One of let's those make two. It, let's make it happen. Yes. Uh, last book you read. Um, it was a John Grisham book, uh, A Time for Mercy. Okay. Him. Favorite travel destination. Oh, boy. Um. I would say uh, Hawaii. Never to- been. That's one of the other states. Right. That in Alaska yeah. I've not been to. And last question. Name a fair you haven't been to, but you'd like to go see. Oh, that is a good one too. Mm. I'm full of good questions. Yeah. Um, I would say, I would say Cheyenne. Cheyenne Frontier Days would be awesome. That'd be cool. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't been there. Jamie, how can folks get in touch with you if they want to contact you? They can call me at the uh, Richland County Fair Office. So it's 406-433-2801. Or uh, you can email me. It's just jlarson at richland.org. And as far as the Rocky Mountain Association Affairs, if folks, uh, entertainers in particular, want to, and service members want to take a look at your organization, where can they learn more about the association? Um, they're going to want to go to the website. So it's rmaf.net. Or again, they can reach out to me as well, and I can get them in contact with Nancy Pitts, who's the executive director. Fantastic. Jamie Larson, fair manager for the Richland County Fair in Montana and president of the Rocky Mountain Association Affairs. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. 
You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.